got my Valentine's sweater on. I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this series, When Life Gives You Lemons, and really appreciate uh, the insights that Pastor Heather and Pastor Rick brought into this epic story of the Exodus and helping us to see some applications from that story to our lives. And at the center of the story, of course, is a man named Moses. And we've been looking at what he did. This morning, as we end out this series, I want to talk about who he was. Who is Moses? Why Moses? What was it about Moses that caused God to choose him? And while there might be a whole lot of answers, I want to focus this morning on three things his character, his companions, and his commitment. So, first of all, Moses was just a guy, right? So as he was walking through the streets of Egypt and so forth as a young man, he was just another guy. His friends would, yo, Mo, what up? Dude, Moses, you know, he was, just a, he was just a regular guy. One of the things I think that we forget about the great heroes in Scripture is they were just like us. They were ordinary people raised to do extraordinary things for God. People like Esther and Abraham, people like Paul and Mary and Peter, Ordinary people, regular people, that God picked to do something extraordinary. And God saw in them their something in their character. God who knew them. We just saw in Psalm 139 uh, how God knows us from the very beginning of our life. As we are being formed in our mother's womb, God sees us and knows us. Before a word is on our lips, he knows it. No matter where we find ourselves, God is there with us. He knows us. This is true of the heroes of our faith as well. Flawed ordinary people just like us, but, but who had a deep and genuine faith and love for God. So as we start to look at Moses, want to you know, do a little background, a little backstory of Moses. So he was born into a holocaust. Moses born among the Hebrew people who were living in Egypt at the time. And that population had been growing and growing. And the Egyptians and the Egyptian leadership became more and more uncomfortable as that population of Hebrews grew. And they began to blame all of their nation's problems on those Hebrew people. Does this sound familiar? And as that began to happen, Pharaoh decided he was going to enslave these Hebrews and thought that that would begin to reverse the growth of their population. It had just the opposite effect. They began to expand even more. And so ultimately, Pharaoh decreed that every male child born to a Hebrew woman was to be killed. That's the world into which Moses was born. His mom, when Moses was born, 
held on to him as long as she could. For three months, she held him and protected him and hid him till she couldn't do it safely anymore. And so she went down to the river and she constructed a small basket and put her baby boy into this basket and set it on down the river. Well, a little further downstream in that river was a group of women who were bathing. Among them was Pharaoh's daughter. And she saw this basket and went and got it and pulled it to shore and found this baby. Moses' aunt, who was a little further down the river, saw this happen. So she ran over to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like me to find you a Hebrew slave woman who can nurse and care for this child, be kind of a nanny for the child. And Pharaoh's daughter said yes. And so she ran and got her sister, Moses' mother, and brought her to Pharaoh's daughter. And she became the nanny to Pharaoh, or to uh, Moses. And I just picture this young mom with her baby pretending to be this nurse, but at night holding this baby and whispering in his ear, I'm your real mom. And maybe something like, and I know that God has something great for you. Well, Moses was then raised in the elite circles of the superpower at that time, Egypt. And as a young man, one day he was walking down the street and he noticed that a Egyptian slave owner was beating and abusing one of his Hebrew slaves and something in Moses' head just snapped and he ran over and he attacked this Egyptian and beat him to death and had to flee the country. He was now a wanted man. He had to flee the country and go to another country. And and there he connected with a family, a family that uh, were uh, had livestock and uh, a lot of livestock. And so Moses became a shepherd, you know, for this group of livestock. So he was on the run and a shepherd to sheep. You could say he lived his life on the lamb. <laughs> I can literally hear your groaning coming at me. So these are the events that shaped his life, that shaped his character as he was responding to these events. A year ago, or last year, I read a book called Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris uh, Kearns Goodwin. And in this book, she looks at the lives of four U.S. presidents, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson, and looks at the time in their presidencies that were the most turbulent, the most difficult. But before she goes there, she does a whole history of their lives as children and young men, and the struggles that they went through in those times in their lives, and how that those experiences in their childhood and youth that uniquely shaped their character so they were prepared in turbulent times to lead this country. That's how hardship can work. It forms in us our character. So Moses, in exile, married and uh, working in this family business was was forming his character. He had no idea what God was going to do in his life. 
One day he's out with the, uh, with the livestock and he notices that there's a bush that's burning but is not being consumed and so he goes toward that bush and has the defining moment of his life. God calls Moses to take on a God-sized challenge, to go back to Egypt, to go to Pharaoh, to say, set the people free and to lead them to the promised land. Moses, the great hero, says to God, no thanks. He says no to God. I love this encounter in Exodus between God and Moses. God laying this vision, this, this challenge on Moses and Moses saying, I can't do this. I'm a nobody with no qualifications to do this and, and gives God all of the reasons. It's a bad idea for God to ask, ask him. It's such a great human story. He only sees in himself the flaws. But God sees his character. God sees something that he can work with. You never know how God will want you, want to use you, or where, or when. So our role is to be prepared for whenever God might call us to do something. And the thing that we need to prepare is our character, to be working on our character. Proverbs chapter four, verse 22 says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen to that again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now this word in Hebrew that's translated heart is really the center of your life, the center part of your life, your character. Guard your character because that's gonna set the course for the rest of your life. You know, in our country, we tend to focus more on our physical life. You know, do we get the right food and exercise and so forth? or we focus on the intellectual part of our lives. Too often, we give too little attention to our heart, to our character. So how do you work on your character? And I guess the easiest way I can describe it is that every time you make a choice because of your faith to do the right thing, in the right way and for the right reasons, your character is being formed. So Moses was a central player in the Exodus story, but he wasn't a solo player. He needed strong companions. He needed people of good character, people of deep faith, that could help him accomplish the mission that God had laid on him. And he had those people. He had his brother Aaron. He had his wingman, Joshua. And his father-in-law, Jethro. Jethro is an interesting character. There's an interesting story in the book of Exodus where 
uh, Jethro comes out to see what's going on uh, as they are moving toward the promised land. And he's so proud of his son-in-law and all that's happening and so forth. But he begins to notice that people are constantly coming to Moses with problems. Day after day and hour by hour, all of these problems coming to Moses. And then Jethro asks him about it and he says, well, I'm responsible to, you know, arbitrate when there are conflicts among the people. And Jethro says to his son-in-law, this is not good. What you're doing is not good. You need a plan. And so Jethro lays out this plan. He says, you need to pick men of good character who can oversee thousands of people and allow them to lead those. And then beneath them, they need uh, men of good character who can lead hundreds, and then those who can lead 50, and those who can lead 10. He creates a platooning system that is scalable and sustainable. It's a game changer for Moses and for the whole endeavor. Man, do you have wise people like that in your life? I know I do. It's so important that we have these kind of people in our lives. And I'm so grateful for my friends who can speak into my life, men and women of great faith and good character who can help me to do the things that God is calling me to do. You know, every parent knows the importance of the friends that their kids pick and pay attention to that because they know that those friends will be shaping the decisions and the character of their kids. It doesn't change when we get older. Choosing companions who will help build you up, who will encourage your faith and offer wise counsel are so important. And this is why I love small groups. Some of the best friends that I have who have given me the best kinds of counsel are people that I've met as part of a small group. Psalm 1 speaks to this. It says this. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. It's saying that those kinds of people will damage your character. The joy is to have friends who are unlike that. Moses was a man of good character, good companions, and he had one more thing. And I think this is the one of the highest importance. Moses had a deep commitment to his God. Here's a question. What was the greatest compliment God gave to Moses? What was the greatest compliment God gave to Moses? I believe the greatest compliment he gave to Moses was referring to him as my servant. My servant. My servant Moses. In fact, when you read uh, Joshua, the book after uh, uh, Exodus, and uh, Moses has died, and God is talking to Joshua, On several occasions, he says, my servant Moses, 
Moses was all in for God. Even though he was reluctant at first, didn't feel qualified at all, when he said yes, he was all in whatever God asked him to do because he was committed to God and to God's vision for his people. No matter how tough the challenge, Moses stepped it up. Deep commitment is the one thing that all of the heroes of scripture shared in common. Joshua said this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mary, in her time of challenge, said, I am the Lord's servant. The Apostle Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ. They had this deep and abiding commitment to the Lord. We saw in Proverbs chapter four that it says, guard your heart, guard your character. How do you do that? What does it mean to guard your heart or guard your, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you do that when hardship comes? How do you guard your character? How do you guard your heart? How do you do it when people let you down? When you feel discouraged? When God feels distanced, feels absent? These are the times that you look past the problem through eyes of faith to what's on the other side. I'm sure for Moses that there were times where he felt overwhelmed and he looked beyond the things that were so overwhelming to a promised land. Moses was a great example, but Jesus is our guide. In the book of Hebrews, we read how Jesus got through these difficult, overwhelming times. And it's an encouragement to us as well. Hebrews chapter 12, listen to what it says. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's here in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith. Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will give a shot of adrenaline into your souls. I love that. As you look at how Jesus lived and how he got through hard times and you remind yourself and look at what he did, it's like an adrenaline shot into your soul to get you over those difficult times. 
You know, I often tell folks that life is hard, but God is good. God is good. We can trust him in the midst of difficult times. We can trust him when life gives us lemons. So guard your heart, develop faithful companions, deepen your commitment to Christ. Next week we're gonna start a new series that we're calling Reset, and we'll be exploring how to deepen our commitment to Christ. I'm really excited about this series, and I hope you're gonna join us, and you, and you ought to invite some folks uh, to watch it as well, to be a part of this series. Hey, as we close out for this week, let me share this blessing with you. Friend, may the Lord bless you, and he surely has. And may the Lord keep you, and he surely will. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you today and always. Have a great week. Together online today. A few announcements before we go. Uh, last